Okay, brethren, at this time, we are blessed to have the second message for today, brought to us by Pastor Steve Andrews, entitled Atonement. Well, greetings on this wonderful opportunity to praise and glorify God as his plan is being worked out here on this earth, year by year by year, as we rehearse his holy days. And this is another wonderful, beautiful day, the Yom Kippur, the day of covering. And Curtis uh, had a good message, it was very uh, good on the Sabbath, covered a lot of that. And I know that God is always looking down at those that are willing to, to take the time and worship him on his days. In Leviticus, the 23rd chapter, Moses was to write this down. And in my Bible, it's all read, it's all read so I know who spoke. Speak to the children of Israel and say to them concerning the feast of the Lord. And I always like to emphasize that for those of you that are listening or that may come to, to this YouTube later on. Please go to your Bible, read, study, look at it, think about it, meditate on it. Because these are not our feasts, not the Church of God um, impulsive feast. It belongs to the Lord. It, has, it is an ancient thing that has come down and has a great deal of meaning. He says, which you shall pro proclaim to be holy convocations. That means holy assemblies, and that's what we're doing today on a Monday. The first part of the week. And a lot of people are out there working. I had a whole bunch of people in my next door neighbors were getting their stuff together, but we we're preparing and fasting and preparing for, the, for this day and, and looking forward to it, looking forward to being here. He says, even these are my feasts. So whenever we come together on these days like this and on the Sabbath, understand that these are his feasts. And then he goes on to talk about the uh, Sabbath and the rest of the holy days. And all of the plan of salvation is laid out in these days. From the Sabbath to Passover, all the way to the last great day. All of these are the plan of salvation that God has set up and is showing us what he is, what he is doing. <laughs> I think time is moving pretty fast right now in, in the world that we live in. I don't know how much longer, but there's been a lot of uh, conjecture over that over the years, and so year after year, we continue to keep it and look forward to the kingdom of God and all the fulfillments of his holy days to be fulfilled, and especially that um, kingdom of God to be on this earth. So let's look here at Leviticus 23 and just these few verses here that talk about this particular day, beginning in verse 26, it says, 
The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Also on the tenth day of the seventh month, there shall be a day of atonement, or a Yom Kippur, and it shall be a holy convocation, a holy assembly. You and you shall afflict your soul and offer an offering made by fire to the Lord. And you shall do no servile work in that day, for it is the day of atonement to make an atonement for you before the Lord your God. For whatsoever soul that be that shall be shall not be afflicted in that same day, he shall be cut off from among his people. And whatsoever soul it shall be that sh- does not does any work on that same day, that same soul shall uh, sh- I will be, will destroy from among his people. You shall do no manner of work. It shall be a statute forever throughout your generations and your dwellings. And so <laughs> this day was very specific in which God wanted our full attention. <laughs> it's what it amounts to. Uh, no eating, no drinking. I want your full attention today. I want you to think about your salvation is what it amounts to. I want you to think about your future. I want you to think about the kingdom of God. And I want you to think about the songs that we've just sang, how wonderful they are and how beautiful they are. What God is doing on this earth to bring about his kingdom for all of mankind. And a lot of things have already transpired. And we know that in Leviticus, the 16th chapter, is this series of things that was set up that God wanted his people to know that he loved them so much. It doesn't seem like it, does it? Because there's so many things that go on here. But look, let's read a few verses here. And I'm, I'm going to emphasize some things that um, in the past maybe we've thought it a little differently, but I'm, I, I'm not going to want to change anybody's mind today. I just want to look at some things. It says here, the Lord spoke to Moses after the death of the two sons of Aaron when they offered before the Lord and they died. So they, they tried to usurp God's authority, went in, offered strange fire, and God killed both of them. And then God told Moses and Aaron they were not to grieve for them. He said, speak to Aaron, your brother, that he come not at all times into the holy place within the veil before the mercy seat, which is upon the ark, that he die not. For I will appear in the cloud upon the mercy seat. Thus shall Aaron come into the holy place with a young bullock for a sin offering and the ram for a burnt offering. He shall put the holy linen coat, and he shall have the linen breeches upon his flesh, and he shall be girded with a, um, a linen girdle, and with a linen mitre shall he be attired, these are holy garments. Therefore shall he wash his flesh in water and so put them on. And he shall take of the congregation of the children of Israel two kids of the goats of a sin offering and two rams of a burnt offering. And Aaron shall offer his bullock of the sin offering, which is for himself, and make an atonement for himself for his house. And it's interesting, uh, the, the, I always come across that and I, I realize that you have to be able to translate Hebrew into the English language to make it 
um, understandable. Uh, the first time that this make an atonement is found, this word, kapoor, is <laughs> when God tells um, Noah to put pitch on the outside of the ark. Pitch. It can be translated pitch. <laughs> or it can be translated um, covering. So it is a day of covering. What are we covering? <laughs> we're covering sin. That's what we're covering. Um, in, in God's um, holiness, certain sins actually had the death penalty. And we know then that the, <laughs> God was actually uh, was, uh, noted for those that, that sinned against him to, to kill thousands. But uh, murder, uh, adultery, different things actually had the death penalty. So when we are talking about this, we're talking about sins that um, do not require the death penalty because they would have already been dead. And, and these are um, different types of sins that we might have, of uh, theft or different things, and I'm not going to go into that. I, I, you can think about that and meditate, um, meditate on that, but the, the point is, God was merciful with his people, and he was bringing them with something that they could be at one with him, close to him. <laughs> they were very physical, very much so. They had a lot of um, problems. They murmured a lot. They griped. They fussed. They complained. Um, God had to, to sometimes spank them uh, in, in the ways that uh, they were, uh, did not like very well, but he loved these children, and he wanted them to be his children. He wanted them to love him, and he gave them many things to bring them to him, and this is one of them, this day of atonement, and to make an atonement for them. He shall take the two goats and present them before the, uh, the Lord and at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. And Aaron shall cast lots upon the two goats and one lot for the Lord and the other lot for the scapegoat. And that's... Uh, uh, <laughs> scapegoat is translated from a, a Hebrew word called azazel. And it can mean the goat of, of departure. So I guess scapegoat is just about as good as anything. <laughs> this goat of de departure. And Aaron shall bring the goat upon which the Lord's lot fell and the other, um, and the other and offer him for sin offering. But the goat on which uh, the lot fell uh, to be the scapegoat shall be presented alive be before the Lord to make an atonement with him and to let him go for a scapegoat into the wilderness. And Aaron shall bring the bullock of the sin offering, which is uh, for himself, and shall make an atonement for himself. So this high priest was human. He had to make an atonement for himself. He had to make an atonement to cover his own sins. And for his house. And shall kill the bullock of the sin offering, which is for himself. He shall take of the, uh, a censer uh, full of uh, burning coals of the fire 
from off of the altar before the Lord and his hands full of sweet incense, beaten small, and bring it into the veil. He shall put the incense upon the fire before the Lord, that the cloud of the incense may cover the mercy seat that is upon the testimony that he die not. He shall take of the blood of the bullock and sprinkle it with his finger upon the mercy seat eastward, and before the mercy seat uh, shall he sprinkle the blood with his finger seven times. Then shall he kill the goat of the sin offering, that is, the, for the people, and bring its blood within the veil, and do with the blood as he had done with the, the blood of the, hillock, of the bullock, and sprinkle it upon the mercy seat and before the mercy seat. He shall make an atonement for the holy place. Now, that's very interesting. This particular verse lays out why they needed this atonement, why they needed this covering. Here it is. Because, one, of the uncleanness of the children of Israel. Two, and because of their transgressions. And three, their sins. Interesting things to enumerate. But God called them out to be holy. And any uncleanness was unholiness. They came out of Egypt, a very idolatrous, the, the uh, Egyptian pharaoh was God. God had to bring them out of this. How many transgressions into idolatry and different things did the children of Israel do? And God had to have some way of covering those particular sins. And of course, just sin, the sin itself. Sin is the transgression of God's law. And that, they were, uh, you read through all of the things that were going on through the, the time that um, uh, they brought, uh, God brought Israel out of Egypt and different things that happened to them. Yeah, they, they sinned, and God had to punish them many times. But even in that, he loved them so much. He wanted them to be his children. He wanted them to be an example to the rest of the world. And he gave them many things to help them along the way, and one of those was the Day of Atonement. He said there should be no man in the, in the, in the tabernacle of the congregation when he goes to make an atonement in the holy place until he come out and have made an atonement for himself, for the household, and for all the con congregation of Israel. And he shall go out into the altar that is before the Lord and make an atonement for it. And shall take of the blood of the, hillock, uh, the bullock and of the blood of the goat and put it upon the horns of the uh, altar round about. And he shall sprinkle the blood upon it and his fingers seven times and shall cleanse it and hallow it from the uncleanness of the children of Israel. And this was a kind of very complicated, very complex thing that the that only one individual was allowed in this area, and that was the high priest. He was the only one that could do this. God had said, you are the only one. And, and this day, he was the only one that could go into the Holy of Holies. And, of course, there's some speculation that uh, years down the road in the temple that they probably put a rope on the poor old priest as he walked into the Holy of Holies, just in case God wasn't happy with him. 
and he died, and they had to pull him back out of there. So we understand how important it was to God that the, these things, this rituals and this deed, that, that, that it be done in the proper order and the proper way, and, and, and done properly. And so we see that. And I don't want to read all of this, um, but he finished doing this. You see, um, okay, and let's pick it up. And um, no, let's just, just continue on where I was, verse 20. And we have made an end of the uh, reconciling of the holy place and the tabernacle and the congregation and the altar. He shall bring the live goat, and Aaron um, and shall lay hands, his hands upon the head of the live goat and confess over him all the iniquities. It's interesting, that word actually means depravities. Iniquities of the children of Israel, all their transgressions and all their sins, putting them on the head of the goat, and shall send him away into the hand of a fit man into the wilderness. And the goat shall bear upon him all the iniquities of the, uh, to the land not inhabited, and he shall be let go in the wilderness. The only type that I know of in, in, in the scriptures is in Revelation, the 20th chapter, where a very powerful angel takes a very long chain and grabs a hold of a very, very bad guy who we have around for a very long time and puts him in a bottomless pit. I don't know if it's exactly the same guy or character that it's pointing to, but it just seems that this is something that God wants out of the way. He wants to get he wants eventually to put Satan totally out of the way. And eventually, Satan will go into outer darkness. There will not be any anymore, but he will come out for a while after he's been in there a thousand years. But this, there's a fit man that takes this, this goat, and in Revelation, the 20th chapter, there's an angel. And if you notice, Aaron doesn't, he puts the sin on, but he doesn't, take it out, and in the, in the New Testament, neither the Father nor the Son touch Satan. They give it responsibility, probably to Michael or Gabriel. Michael and Gabriel have been fighting Satan for a very long time. I mean, they've had battles. You look in the book of Daniel, and he said that they were actually battling before they were allowed to come to Daniel. They heard his prayer. And they were trying to get there, and they were battling Satan. So this this being, this um, he's called uh, the dragon, uh, Abaddon, he's called uh, the, uh, all kinds of things. He is a very evil being that needs to be put away. Now, I'm going to leave it at that, because there is a greater thing going on today. This was, this was passed, and it has a lot of information, a lot of uh, profound things that we need to understand. But there's also a greater thing going on today, mainly from what we, the songs that we've been singing, the things that we've been talking about, Jesus Christ, who is our high priest. Why do we, why do we need a high priest? <laughs> All of us are very familiar with what, um, what Paul talks about in Romans, the third chapter. He says, in verse 23, he says, we, um, I'll get over here, I, I want to read right. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. 
being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. And God has set forth to be a propitiation through, through faith in his blood to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God. That's why we need this wonderful being who sits at the right hand of the Father. Do we call Jesus Christ? We love him. And the Father loves him. And they are working out a tremendous, tremendous future for all of mankind. These holy days point to one of the most profound futures for mankind. Transforming us from physical human beings into spirit beings that will last forever and ever and ever in the kingdom of God. And it's all played out in his holy days. All of this plan of salvation is played out in the holy days. And they're so very, very important. In 1 John, he also emphasizes this. In 1 John, the uh, beginning in... Uh, I hope I got the right verses here. I think I do. Let me verse 3, verse 7. But if we walk in the light, as he is in light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his Son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Jesus called Satan the, a murderer and a liar from the beginning. Uh, I don't know how much in our own life Satan... Um, is able to you know, change us. But I know in the world that we live in, he influences everything. He is the power of the, uh, um, and the prince of the power of the air. He is a lion that's roaring out to get whoever he can get. And if you have some truth out there, he is there to squash it. And he hates, he abhors these holy days. He absolutely abhors God's holy days because they point to a time in which he won't exist and he won't have any influence over anything. And he knows that. And he knows he has but a short time. In Isaiah, the 58th chapter, he, Isaiah talks about the fast that we're fasting today, how important it is. I'm not going to go into a, a lot of depth here about it, but let it be known that God, since we're coming before him and he commands that we fast, that is the reason why we do that. That's the reason why we teach it. That's the reason why even those of us who have to speak on this day, and then we get a little bit dry and we'll get a little uh, out of it after a while, I am thankful uh, when I get a chance to, to preach on the Day of Atonement, which I've done a few times in the past. In Isaiah, the 58th chapter, says, why have, we, why have we fasted, say they, and you see not? Why have we afflicted our soul, and you take no knowledge? 
Behold, in the day of your fast you find pleasure and extract all your labors. Behold, you fast for strife and debate, and to smite uh, with a fist of wickedness. You shall not fast as you do as they day to make your voices to be heard on high. Is it such a fast that I have chosen, a day for a man to afflict his soul? Is it um, to bow down his head as a bulrush and to spread uh, sackcloth and ashes under him? Will you call this a fast, an acceptable day to the Lord? Is not this the fast that I have chosen, to loose the bands of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, and to let the oppressed go free, and that you may break every yoke? And it's interesting in that is the covering of sins, um, the, the breaking of the bands of wickedness in our life. Uh, Jesus says, "I my burdens are light, to put it on me, and he, he, you know, it looks back to that. And the oppressed go free. And to break every yoke. Is it not to deal your bread to the hungry, that you bring the poor that are cast out to your, of your house? When you see the naked, that you cover him, and that you uh, hide not yourself from your own flesh. And so fasting has many, um, many parts to it. Jesus made these uh, parts about fasting too because uh, the, <laughs> I guess the uh, ruling class had a tendency to ring bells and blow horns when they were fasting. We are fasting. And Jesus says that's not the way you're really supposed to do it. He says, in Matthew, the sixth chapter, in beginning of verse 16, he says, Moreover, when you fast, be not as the hypocrites um, of a sad countenance, countenance, for they disfigure their faces, that they may appear to, uh, in, uh, to men to fast. Verily I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you fast, anoint your head, wash your face, that you appear not men to fast but to your Father which is uh, in secret. And your Father which sees in secret shall reward you openly. So that's what God's doing today. Uh, he, he is rewarding us with understanding and knowledge and the hope of salvation into his kingdom and the greatness that is, that is there. We have, sitting at the right hand of the Father, some of the... Um, the two of them are the most powerful in the universe. And they rule, even though we sometimes <laughs> don't see it. They are there, and they are ruling, and their, their power is there. And they will bring about the kingdom of God. They will bring it about. And as we fast and, and look forward to that kingdom, in First John, the second chapter, my little children, I, I like the way John says that. My little children, these things I write unto you, that you sin not. <laughs> and if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. That's the whole point of the Day of Atonement. Jesus Christ sitting at the right hand of the Father as our advocate, defender 
a defense attorney. He's our defender. He's our defense attorney. Boy, do we need one sometimes, don't we? It, it comes in handy to have Jesus Christ there because sometimes we've done things we shouldn't have done, and we come and we say, Father, please, I need your help, and I need Jesus Christ there at your side. He is our propitiation, appeasement. Uh, he's also that atonement for our sins. And not for ours only, but for all, also for the sins of the whole world. For the sins of the whole world. And hereby we know him, that we know him, if we keep his commandments. He that says, I know him, and keeps not his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoso keeps his word, in him verily the love of God is perfected. Hereby know we that we know him, uh, that know that uh, we that we are in him. I go on with that verse, the next verse. He that says he abides in him also, uh, himself also to walk, even as he walked. And so, um, let's see, where did I want to stop on that one? I think I'll continue on. Brethren, I write no, no new commandment to you, but an old commandment, which you had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which you have heard from the beginning. Again, a new commandment I write unto you, which thing is true. In him and in you, because the darkness is past and the true light now shines. He that says he is in the light and hates his brother is in the darkness even until now. He that loves his brother abides in the light and there is no occasion of stumbling in him. But he that hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in darkness and knows not where he goes because that darkness has blinded his eyes. I write to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven, uh, forgiven you for his name's sake. Our sins are forgiven because of Jesus Christ and God the Father. Today, we have a high priest. Just as the Israelites at the base of Mount Sinai, Aaron, and that tabernacle in the wilderness, and all of those days of, of, of atonement that they kept, we have a high priest, and he's very, very special. For every high priest is taken from among men, is ordained for men in things pertaining to God. Hebrews 5, verse 1. That he may offer both gifts and sacrifices for sins. Who can have, who can have compassion on the ignorant and on them that are out of the way? For that he himself also is compassed with infirmity. And by reason thereof, hereof, he should, as for uh, the people, so also for himself to offer for sins, just as we read in, in Leviticus, the 16th chapter. Aaron had to offer a, a sacrifice for his own sin. He had to make an atonement for his own sin. And no man takes his honor to himself, but he that is called of God 
as was Aaron. He was appointed <laughs> to be that high priest. So also Christ glorified not himself to be made a high priest, but he said to him, You are my son, today I have begotten you. And again it says, in another place, You are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Not after the Aaronic um, order, but after a different order, a very special order, the Melchizedek order, a very high and very special order, who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with strong crying and tears to him that was able to save him from death and was heard and that he feared, though he were a son, yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered. And being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation to all them that obey him. Us. Those of us who are here on the Day of Atonement. Keeping it. Observing it. Called of God, a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. Of whom we have many things to say and hard to be uttered, seeing you are dull of hearing. Sometimes we are. For when you at time you ought to be teachers, you need that one teach you again, which is the first principles of the oracles of God, and to become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. For everyone that uses milk is unskillful in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But strong meat belongs to them that are of full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. And boy, we all need that in this day and age. We need to be um, so well versed in God's word that uh, we are uh, meat eaters, <laughs> not milk drinkers, but meat eaters of God's word so that we can discern what's going on in the world today that we're living in, so we can understand what's good and what's evil which the world has turned around.